Well, good morning. Glad to have you here at Shelby Road. If the people back here in the northwest section think the Vambalis are skipping, they over here in the southwest section, and it's throwing me off a little. I, don't, I know you don't know anybody in that section. That's the Lukers behind you. Lukers, this is the Vambalis. You've never seen them before because they sit way over there. Wow. Where's Matt? Did Matt leave? Did you say you locked yourself out of your car? <laughs> Pastor Joey locked himself out of a house. He's outside in his boxers. He said to me, no, 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 they were shorts. If you wear them at night, we call them boxers. I don't know what they call them down south, you all. But up here, we call them boxers. He had to climb up to a second-story window to go in. Can you see that? Head first, little feet. Boxers showing to all the world. Shorts, shorts. I know. I don't know if you know, he joined a softball league this year. You know, his fiance's down in Florida. He's bored, so he joined a, a softball league. Play with a bunch of young guys in shape, which means he feels a little out of a place. <laughs> anyway, he's playing third base, which is where you put somebody who, who's, who's slow and can't move. And <clears throat> in a game, a guy hit a ball at him, and he jumped, and it ticked off his, the top of his glove. And... At the end of the inning, the shortstop, who's actually in shape, came over to him and said, oh man, that much. And Pastor Joey goes, I know, I know, I almost had it. And the shortstop goes, no, that's how far off the ground you got. <laughs> that far. <laughs> Pastor Joey, in his cute little southern drawl, said, you all funning me. <laughs> no, no, he's actually quite athletic. That's what he tells me. I've never seen any evidence of it. Here's a true story, though. Since we're on associates today, here's a true story. A guy's laying tile in a laundry room off the kitchen. Let's see if you can picture it. Let's call him Josh. <laughs> I don't know why. Let's just call him that. He's kind of a husky guy. <laughs> normally has big hair piled up, but he had a ball hat on, so he looked normal. You picture it? Picture it. He's in this little laundry room laying tile, and he gets to the last two rows. So now he just has two feet, and he's backed up against the wall, and he needs to adjust, so he takes his trowel and he hangs it on the edge of his bucket of mortar. Are you picturing this? True story. And then he gets up and kind of adjusts, you know, like he would. And then he goes back up to the wall and squats down right on the point of the trowel. Can you picture it? Went right through his rolled-up American Eagle jeans. <laughs> Can you picture it? 
right through his pretty little Halloween boxers covered with witches and, and ghosts, and right into his backside. And he said a naughty word. If his son was there, his son would have said, Dad, you told me I can't say that word. Say, Pastor Menil, does this story really have, you know, any bearing on this morning's sermon? Yes, it does. Let's see if we can get to the point. You have your notes? You have your notes? We're in a series. And last week, number one, we looked at the point that God calls us to be a light in a dark world. He calls us to be a light in a dark world. God did not call us to be his children, bring us to the place where we understand our need for Jesus Christ so that we would get saved and go to heaven. That is not what God was doing. God was making a new family. And he wants this family to be holy. And the main idea of holiness is distinction, difference. He wanted us to be distinct from the world so that we would be a light in the dark world. Number two, the second thing we looked at last week is that we can't be like them and a light to them at the same time. God says we cannot be like them and a light to them at the same time. The difference matters. And here's where the warning of a man's life in the Bible comes into play. Grab your Bibles. Let's go to Genesis 13. So I don't need to grab my Bible because you're going to put it up on the screen. No, I'm not. No, nope. grab your Bible. Grab your device. Go to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 12 is the call of Abraham. God's going to start this new people, his people, and he starts with the man named Abraham, and he calls Abraham to leave where he is and go to the land of Canaan. And he takes Lot with him, his nephew. And I want to pick up the story in Genesis chapter 13, verse 8. So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. These guys were both businessmen. They had lots of animals. There was starting to be trouble because they were, they were too close together. And so Abraham says, let's, let's separate. And then here's what happens. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east the two men parted company. And Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents toward Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. I don't think that's unknown to Lot. I don't think it's unknown to him. He knows the men of Sodom are wicked, but he still heads that direction. And I start this morning by asking this question. Was it a sin for Lot 
to make this choice. Was it a sin for Lot to choose to try and live down towards Sodom? And the answer is no. It wasn't a sin. But it wasn't wise. Say, why did Lot do this? Well, he saw the advantages. There were advantages, but he didn't see the dangers. He saw the perks of being in that area, but he didn't see the perils. I want to jump ahead to chapter 14. In chapter 14, there's a little skirmish, a war, and the city of Sodom and Gomorrah the, the enemy takes the city. And we read this in verse 11. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. And that's interesting. Before he pitched his tents towards Sodom. And now he's in Sodom. Lots of authors point this out. There seems to be a movement here that's happening. And then we, we read in chapter 19. Go with me to chapter 19. Hey, Ryan, I, this, this is echoing just a little bit to me. Can we go down just a little? In, in chapter 19, verse 1, Two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. Stop. In the gateway of the city. This is where the city council sits. He's an elder in the town now. Now, we know what's going to happen because of chapter 18. God reveals that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the terrible wickedness there. He sends two angels to talk to Lot. Let's finish reading. When Lot saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on in your way early in the morning. No, they said, we're going to spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house and he prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men? Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who've never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like to them. And everybody in this room said, What? I was very weak. Look, I have two daughters who've never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like with them. What? What? I could I could read that passage a thousand times, and I would still say, "What in the world?" Don't do anything to these men, for they've come under the protection of my roof. Get out of the way, they replied. 
And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. And they kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside, the angels, reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so they could not find the door. And the two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here in this town, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city? who belongs to you, get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against his people is so great, he has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. And he said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. They laughed. And here's, here's where the warning of this man's life, Lot, comes into play. We, we can't be like them and be a light to them at the same time. Lot tries to talk to his sons-in-law, and, and they consider him a joke when he talks to them about God and God's power. They think it's laughable. And so we learn things. Here we go, in your notes. Number one, it's easy to slide toward the world. It's easy to slide toward the world, sinful society around us. We just have to say, we have to remind ourselves, as a people of God, the world is sliding left. I don't mean politically, nothing about politics. The world is sliding left, away from God, away from biblical values, away from biblical standards. The world is sliding left. You say, well, I'm not like the world. It used to be that the world was here and the church was here. Now the world's moving left. Now the world is here. And where's the church? Is the church still over here? I want to suggest to you it is not. I want to suggest that the church is sliding with the world, and now the church is here where the world used to be. That is the warning of this story. It's easy to slide with the world. It's the tendency as the world moves for the Christian for the Christian family, for the church to slide with it. And we can't be a light to them and be like them at the same time. You say, well, there's still a difference, not like they're supposed to be. Not like they're supposed to be. Number two. It's easy to lose our sensitivity to sin. How, 
how did righteous Lot become a man who suggests this plan about his daughters? By the way, yes, I know that some of you are going to have to go home and have explanations with your kids this morning. See, I'm surprised you read this this morning in church. It's the Word of God. How did Lot get to the place that he could make this suggestion about his daughters? Just boggles the mind, blows my mind. How? Because it's easy to lose our sensitivity towards sin. We can become desensitized because the world's plunging to the left. Well, everyone gets divorced. No, they don't. No. No, they don't. Well, everyone has premarital sex. No. No. No, they don't. They're not supposed to. Well, Pastor McNeil, everybody drinks alcohol. No. No, they don't. Lots of people understand the danger. Well, everyone watches porn. I, I, I listen to the stats. Every man's watching porn. No. No, they aren't. It's easy when it's just being pounded into us by the world that this is how everyone lives for us to slide a little. But we can't be a light to them and be like them at the same time. Number three. It's easy to lose our credibility to influence. This is really the part of the story I want to talk about. It's easy to lose our credibility to influence, and Lot lost his. He tries to talk to his sons and they just laugh. It's laughable to them, this relationship with God he claims. It's laughable. He, he has no credible connection to God. Why listen to him? He lives just like us. See, we can't be like them and be a light to them at the same time. Do you realize most people in the world are not that impressed with the church? Gandhi said, famous quote, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. That's a powerful quote. Many, many people, most people, in society, in the world around us, are not impressed with the church. Can I suggest three reasons? We, we can lose our credibility to influence, number one, because of hypocrisy. 
If, if you ask the people outside the church, what, what do you dislike about the church? The, they'll say, well, it's full of hypocrites. Am I saying the truth? That is what they will say. Yes. They'll, they'll say it's full of hypocrites. That, that is, we project a false appearance of religion. We say and do one thing in here, and then often we act a different way out there. We claim to hold certain standards, but we don't do them. It's kind of like this. A pastor who talks about the value of praying but doesn't pray. You say, yeah, that, that would be hypocritical. A teacher who talks about students need to respect while they don't respect the principal and superintendent. Like that. A parent who yells at their child for yelling. Which could be funny if it weren't so bad. To talk about how important love is while we're impatient, unkind, or irritable, which are the opposite of love. To talk about how great forgiving is while we hold grudges. We can lose our credibility to influence because of hypocrisy. Number two, we can lose it because of judgmentalism. I think if you ask people what they dislike about the church, judging will be in the top two along with hypocrisy. Say judging. When we look down at someone for their behavior as if their sin is worse than ours. Pastor Steve did this. When we put ourselves here and we put them here. Well, I... I really hate it that they're, they swear while we worry. I really hate it that they're sleeping around. Can't believe they're sleeping around while we're proud. No, no. For all have, for all have, all of us. The world hates this. When we act like our sin is worse, it's not as bad as theirs. That either we have no sin or that our sin somehow is less offensive to theirs when in fact the truth is sin in the church is worse than sin in society. I want to say it again. Sin in the church is worse than sin in society. The last reason we can lose our credibility is because of assimilation. That's what the story of Lot's about. When we're not really different than the sinful society around us, they're materialistic and so are we. They're selfish and so are we. They're critical and negative and so are we. 
if the only difference is that we go to church, well, that's not much of a difference at all. And by the way, a bunch of them go to church too. We can't be like them and be a light to them at the same time. Now this morning, lesson number three. We can be distressed by the world and yet not really be different than the world. We can be distressed by the world and yet not really be different than the world. I think it's possible that there's people sitting in this room this morning and say, Pastor, we don't like anything about what sinful society is doing. Yes, oh yes. It's possible to be distressed and yet not really be different. You say, I don't see where you get this in the story. You have to go to, you have to, go to the New Testament. There's an interesting couple verses in the New Testament in 2 Peter chapter 2. In 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about Lot. He talks about Lot starting in verse 6. He says, If God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, interesting, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. When I first came upon this verse, it's so interesting to me because it's not at all the picture we have back in the Old Testament. It's hard to believe that Peter calls him righteous lot. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men. For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by what he saw out in the world. But he was like them. And this is the one I want us to get today. So you have something you really want us to get a hold of today? This. We can be distressed by the world. We, we have a tendency to find certain behaviors and attitude in sinful society that we don't do, and we really hate them. while at the same time we're copying other worldly behaviors. So two thoughts. Here we go. Number one, it's not our job to crab about the darkness of the dark. You say, I don't find crab a very technical term. But I thought we'd know what I meant. It is not our job to crab about the darkness of the dark. A lot of Christians are spending their time criticizing society for its sins. That means we're just crabbing about the darkness of the dark. 
Of course the dark is dark. Of course they swear. Of course they lie. Of course they're mean. Of course. Dark is dark. Say, well, Pastor Manil, I, I think that we need to point out the darkness of the dark. I challenge you to read the words of Jesus and see if you ever find him attacking the society around him. See if you do. Attacking the Roman government for their sinfulness. You don't find Jesus doing that. You don't find the apostles doing it either. You do not find Jesus attacking the sinfulness of sinful society. You, talk, you find him talking to the Pharisees, but those are church people. That's not what Jesus did. Do you know why? Because he didn't come to transform society. He came to seek and to save the, the lost. He said, I'm the light of the world. He was shining light into a dark world. If we shine light into the dark world, we don't need to crab about the darkness. The light will dispel the darkness. Say, how are we going to affect sinful society? One person at a time. One person's life getting transformed at a time. Two ladies got saved this week. Oh, that's good stuff. I didn't see them both, but I at least saw one of them here this morning. Absolutely wonderful. That's how, that's how it works. That's how Christians affect society. One life at a time. It is not our job to crab about the darkness of the dark. I could have them do this, but for time I won't. We could shut all the lights off in here. And we could all crab about the fact that we can no longer see our notes. But it won't do anything. If we want to be able to see our notes, we have to turn on. This is our job. Number two. It's easy to judge the world for certain behaviors of worldliness while we simultaneously act worldly in different ways. This is Lot. He was distressed. I picked that word because it's right out of the text. He was distressed by the sinfulness of the society around him in Sodom. But he was copying them. Not the same behaviors, just a little different behaviors. And I think it's the tendency for what we have to do, and so we all have to stay on our guard against it, all of us. It's easy to judge the world for certain behaviors of worldliness while we simultaneously, at the same time, act worldly just in different ways. We attack the word for their homosexual and transgender movement, for the press of it. And yes, they are, of course, unbiblical. We attack the world for their homosexual and transgender movement while we watch porn or immoral TV shows and movies. They're both worldly. We attack the world for swearing for the Lord's name or the F word while we badmouth people. 
like President Biden, Governor Whitmer. It's, it's, it's one thing to joke. It's another thing to attack, to badmouth. How, how much farther along would we be if all the Christians who are attacking these people would pray for them instead? You know I'm telling you the truth. We attack the world for their immorality, their sensuality, their immoral sensuality, while at the same time we're selfish. Those are both worldly, both of them. We attack the world for their commercialism of Christmas while we can't even get our cars in our garages for all the stuff. And we say we follow the guy who said if you have two coats, if you have two coats, give one away. That's virtually a laughable command today. Just count your coats when you get home. <laughs> I must have seven or eight soup coats. And thankfully, I'm not wearing one today. God calls us to be distinct, holy, truly different. So last week, I challenged you to be positive in a negative world. This world's full of criticism and complaining. You want to fit in? Go to any table, any room, and start complaining, and you will fit in. You want to stand out? Go into any room and be thankful and positive, and you'll stand out. Here we go. Here's our challenge for today. Number four. In a me-first world, last week I said we live in a negative world. Today I'm saying we live in a me-first world. It's all about me. About me, mine, my happiness, my goals, my family. It's me, mine, world. Here's my challenge to you. In a me-mind world, selfish, God challenges us to put others first. So what word goes there? Service. This is what makes us stand out. This is the kind of difference God's talking about. We live in a world that's all about me. My way, my thoughts, my truth, my goals, my plans. But God says something different. He says, yes, that's the way it is among you. Read, read Mark chapter 10. Start about verse 40 and read it. Not right now, just read it. And Jesus says, yes, that's how the world is, but it won't be that way among my people. The one who wants to be great in my kingdom will become the servant of all. Do you know why? Because the Son of Man, he goes right to himself. He said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. You want to be different? I challenge you this week. In this me first world, take the attention away from you. Take the attention away from your family. Take the attention away from what you, you want. 
and look to find a way to serve others. You say, I don't, I don't even know how to get that in my mind. I put it right on the bottom so we'd all be able to do it nice and simple. Here we go. This week, just ask God, who can I help today? Moms and dads in this room, you want to teach your children something? Teach them to be a servant. Dads in this room, teach your sons to serve their mom by cleaning her car. Teach them. Teach them that we serve in this family. We serve others. It's not about what we want to do. It's about putting others first. That is like a completely new mindset in this world. This is the challenge of God, to be different from them. We will stand out if we're not like them. If at work, you're the one who goes out of your way to help other people. Don't just do the thing that you need to do, but help them do the thing they need to do as well. Say, Pastor McNeil, no one does that. I know. I'm aware of that. That's why it will stand out. Let's stand together. Father, this week, I pray that you'd help us to remember this warning about this guy named Lot who slid along with the world until he was really liked the world while all the time he was crabbing about the world. Oh, Father, help us to see ourselves. Father, remind us of what our mission is here. Not to criticize sinful society, but to point them to you, to Jesus. Father, help us to be a light. And Father, this week, I pray specifically, you'll help us to turn off the me first switch and try to put others first in simple but profound ways. Help us to look for ways to help somebody I pray you'll help us. It's so hard for us to be different. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.